Jumbo fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley welcoming you to the very first of spiritual tune-ups, stemming back to March 2020, when the world was in the throes of upheaval with a recognition that we were in the midst of the first global pandemic of its kind in our own existence. Everything was chaos. And so I was drawn to the internet to leave a four and a half minute video on social media and YouTube explaining my views, which were not that unique amongst new thought leaders, about the cause and the ramifications of this pandemic, explaining that it was the beginning of a healing, not the beginning of the end. And that video I did almost immediately reached 100,000 views, and it told me the world was in need of more comfort and reassurance on a daily basis. Listen, enjoy, and please thumbs up, engage. It makes all the difference when you have the opportunity to leave some feedback on your favorite podcast service. Taliho amigos. Good morning. It is April 6, 2020. This continues our series of spiritual tune-ups, and today's topic is one that sets my soul on fire. It's one of the most exciting topics that I can even imagine, and I've become rather obsessed with it in the last six months. I think the only thing I'm more obsessed with is my six-year-old daughter. Enlightenment. What is that stuff? Enlightenment. Is there really such a thing? Is it something accessible to all of us? Fasten your seatbelts. I know that there's this old spiritual adage that says, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. So what's the big deal? Is it just some aloof state of acceptance and allowance? No, my friends, it is the real deal. It is the reason God wanted to play in these sacred hallowed jungles of time and space as you and as me. It certainly wasn't to get lost here and to not realize that we are of the divine, capable of all things, terrified of lions, tigers, bears, and coronaviruses, with all due respect. Those are pretty scary from the mortal perspective. But there is such a thing as spiritual enlightenment. Now, do you remember my one of my first spiritual tune-ups a couple of weeks ago? It went like 15 minutes long, March 25th, 2020. I brought up the topic of Adam and Eve, and I put them put the metaphors from that story into an understanding of what it was originally intended to mean. That was our fall from grace. Not sinister, not evil, not even unforeseen, but us forgetting because we're so hypnotized by the magnificence of the illusions, us forgetting that we're creating them at the same time as we're experiencing them to the degree that we would react to our creations not knowing that they, are our, they were our creations and hence losing power. But to state that more succinctly, we never lost our power. We lost our awareness of our power. We were still powerful, but we just didn't know it. And so we believed that the lions, tigers, and bears were greater than us, that we had to contend with them, that God was testing us and then judging us. 
Let me do some reading from, some paraphrasing from a few books, and I will later put the book t title and name below, because I want to show you that this is not just Mike Dooley's wandering mind. Oh, it's so not. Seth, dictated by Jane Roberts. You can come awake from your normal waking state. Wake up from within the dream. Right now I'm dreaming and so are you. You can wake up from this conscious waking dream. And that is the natural next step for consciousness to follow. And it gets way better than this. What's a, what we are able to do is to connect our little brain, our mortal physical brain, and all the energies it challenges from our higher channels, from our higher selves, to the mind of God. Now, of course, we can't handle the mind of God in a little brain. It would just fry us and blow up the universe. So that's why we have this instrument to channel. You can know anything, anywhere, always, past, present, future, and realms beyond time and space, but not all at the same time if you're living your life inside of time. And so how do you find out what really happened during the era of Jesus Christ? You focus on that endpoint, and then you have this sliver of information where you can become one with all of the probabilities, what manifested, what was on the plane of manifestation, what was in higher realms believed to be on the plane. It's wild. And then you can say, okay, well, I want to go to the Palladias. Palladies. Well, I don't even know the name of those planets. Um, you can go, but you have to drop the Christ knowledge, just like you use your brain today. Anyway, that's the ideal here. And I found this book called The Hermetica. And it's an analysis by Timothy Freck and Peter Gandy. We must use the power of our little minds to reach out to God's big mind. The Hermetica, Egyptian, ancient, ancient Egyptian philosophy, places man at the very center of God's creation. The center, not an afterthought. Hermes declares that man is a marvel. With his mind, he may not only understand the universe, but even come to know God. He is not a mortal body which will live and die. He is an immortal soul, which through the experience of spiritual rebirth may become a God. Because we are God, pure God. But, but one mind, one entity, one ego can't contain all of God. So now there's so many. This is God's way of expanding in in different ways that are not possible if you're simply everywhere always at once, divine mind. Um, every book I've read and common knowledge books speaks to this being the golden age, the age of enlightenment, the age of God alive in man. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. We are now living in a brand new 12,000 year Mayan calendar. Remember the old one? ended in 12, 2012 and everybody thought the ending was the big, big deal? Who paid attention to the beginning? Uh, I don't know if it was, um, some of my numbers might be off a little bit there, but um, this is a time that our vibrations are rising. This is what I talk about in a lot of my works and my books, that those who resist right now, these raising vibrations, they're clinging. I want the old, the good old days, the way it used to be when it never really was that good, right? You know who I'm talking about, where I'm talking about, these political circles. It's like, you know, let's do it again. Um, they are resisting this new world order that is irresistible. You either rise with it or your resistance is going to create calamity and viruses, and the like, 
forcing a mandate. You gotta reprioritize so that you can catch this train and ultimately awaken to God within at a conscious level. Oh, this is getting way better, okay? So does that mean everybody this lifetime is going to be an ascended master like Jesus Christ, Buddha, Krishna, and probably in my little mind, a hundred or a couple thousand people since the dawn of time as we know it have become truly enlightened. Way more than chopping wood and carrying water. You can levitate that stuff. You can walk on that water. Jesus said, and I'm not a Bible thumper, the things I do, you will do greater. He didn't say you who go to church on Sunday. He didn't say you who embrace Christianity. There was no Christianity. And, and Buddha and Krishna and all of them are examples of what a human being, which is a spark of God, can do connected to the mind of God. Then your full brain is realized. Here's some characteristics. Imagine this for the rest of your life. Supremely calm and peaceful. Um, Light-footed, walking on air. Ecstasy, always lingering in every moment of your consciousness. These are just mine, I wrote these down. Keen psychic abilities. Powerful intentions leading to spontaneous manifestations. Healing of others, animals, plants, structures. You want to fix your car? Boom. You want to fix the crack in the, in the foundation of your house? Boom. Miracles abound. It gets better. You're aware of your multidimensional existences. Um, miracles, so-called, become commonplace. There is no death and decay. You will raise your vibration even higher than the planets and ascend, and then revisit, and then ascend. Meanwhile, there's a zillion other places to go. How do you get there? To wrap this up, there are an infinite number of ways to get there. True, deep joy, acceptance, and love in every minute will get you there. Deep, true love. Okay, another way. Meditation, deep, profound meditation. Frequently, there's a, a common variety of it called Kriya Yoga. Okay, not Hatha Yoga and Downward Dog. That's a part of yoga. They can be put together, but Kriya Yoga is pure meditation. It's one of many forms of meditation that could take you there. And then, as I was sharing yesterday, there is deductive reasoning, contemplative thought. Um, Spoken of by Ramtha, spoken of by Richard Bach. Um, as I've shared in these things, I have unlocked so many mysteries in my life uh, at a divine spiritual level. Still got some unlocking to do. Um, through contemplative thought, deductive reasoning, created in the same kind of space as conventional still the mind yoga. But but where I allow my mind and my wonder and my questions to lead me in and out of passageways, down hallways, um, to either truth in that sitting, or days, weeks, and months later, all of a sudden there's illumination on the thing that I had been working with earlier. Enlightenment is where we're headed. Whether it's this lifetime, my friends, or the next, or 500 from now, it's where we're all headed. That's destiny. An option is to hurry it up and make it happen now. Can't do it with stress. Don't put it on your to-do list. But you can deliberately move towards conscious enlightenment now. Jambo, fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley for a spiritual tune-up on April 7th, 2020. And today I want to tackle something that's a bit touchy and sensitive. 
But uh, you didn't choose this lifetime for ease. You chose this lifetime to be poked, to be awakened, so that as you live a life in love, you can discover your power and do and be and have all things that your heart desires. So today I wanted to talk about this concept of blame the victim that is often hurled at me and other teachers of what I view to be absolute truth. When I say thoughts become things, that uh, you create your own reality. And I'm not the only one, of course, that teaches this stuff. When I say that we are of God, by God, pure God, that we chose the stage of our lives because we saw the probabilities, very often there will be somebody new to this information who will interpret that as, hey, wait a minute, your concept of being creator, all of us creators of our own reality 24-7, and that's exactly my concept. Doesn't that imply that you are blaming every victim for every nasty, horrible, ugly thing that has happened to them? Hell no. This is so out of context, but it's very, very tricky. So bear with me on this one, okay? Blame the victim. Three words, two of which utterly fail in all spiritually oriented conversations based on truth. Blame. What is blame? Blame is an ugly, derogatory word filled with negative implications that imply fault. Another word that doesn't work in spiritual conversations that implies accident, totally bogus in any enlightened conversation. And and it puts the person whose finger is being pointed at, you know, you're blaming the victim. You know, this victim over here, they brought it on themselves because they're divine creators, according to Mike Dooley, and their thoughts become things. That is not what I'm saying. you got to stand back from the equation. Now, I'm going to explain this, but it's not going to put a smiley face on every violation, abuse, or horrible thing that happens. And I'm not denying that horrible, hideous, disgusting things happen. They do happen. But from a higher perspective, you can sense order, meaning, and detect love. Okay, so blame the victim. you got to realize that we are all if you will, ensconced in this reality, this adventure of life in these sacred jungles of time and space through choice. We were everywhere always at once, as I've been teaching. And we decided to forget that we were everywhere always at once, that we forget that we were part of God, so that we could be enthralled by our own manifestations, even though we didn't know we were creating them, and move through these jungles in love, after love, for love, understanding that for having chosen to be in a place where we no longer remembered we were a creator, there would be unintentional manifestations. Okay, this happens. It's part of us earning our wings back so that we can go on and rock the world and get to the top of the summit of truth and revel in our glory. Stuff's going to happen until the lights come on and you realize what the absolute truths are. We're babies, if you will. Although eternal gladiators in this incarnation were babies relearning and rediscovering the truth of our magnificence. And it's all playing out inside of the heart and the mind of God. An analogy. When my little daughter was learning how to walk, oh, maybe four years ago, five years ago, you know, she stumbled and she fell. And I can remember that time she was holding on to the coffee table and mommy and I were watching her and she was about to give it another go. She took a step, she let go, and she went down 
face first. Do you think it would be appropriate for mommy and I to jump up and say, well, you brought this on yourself. You have no one to blame but your, your own curiosity and sense of adventure. You are at fault here. Those words to the common physical senses are absolutely true, but would we say them? They're broken. They're flawed. They take the context away from what's going on. This beautiful child of God is learning to walk and balance herself so that one day she can do it on her own and go here and there, hither and yon. One day when she grows up through other trial and error, she is going to soar and fly. And we see that when she's learning how to walk. Blame? Fault? You're a victim of your own sense of curiosity? Those fail. They utterly fail. Now, to all of a sudden say someone is a victim, let's talk about victim instead of blame. Victim implies powerlessness. Victim implies that random, wacky, crappy things can happen to anybody for absolutely no reason. If you want to say you're a victim, you're a victim of so-and-so, you're a victim of such-and-such, you're a victim of coronavirus. If that person acknowledges you and feels the love, even though it's misguided, they will be using your words to rob themselves of their own power. Yes, I'm a victim. Bad things happen to good people for no reason. If you believe that for yourself or anyone else, you steal their power. All of a sudden, you perpetuate their belief and your own naivety that random, crappy, accidental things can happen to other people. This is not true. And if you want to have a leg up, if you want to give them their power back to avoid such, you got to talk about truth and these absolutes. Now, what I'm saying here does not justify, does not uh, allow or give permission to violators. This doesn't mean we don't go help somebody who falls down. Mommy and I were all over our daughter when she fell down. This doesn't negate the fact that if in the physical world somebody does you wrong, even though you are a co-creator, press charges, file suit, do your obligation, stick up for yourself, love yourself. Just because you're naive doesn't mean people are allowed to take advantage of you. So I'm not negating the ugly, I'm not taking away anything else, but when we say somebody is a victim and they believe in, not only are they powerless, but they're set up for more of the same kind of spills and falls as we shield them from responsibility for their ultimate spiritual growth and, and enlightenment. Now, that does not put a smiley face on the crappy things that have happened to me or you. I'm not trying to put a smiley face on it. You didn't come here for sugarcoating. You didn't come here to eat from a silver spoon. You came here and you wanted the full Monty. You wanted all the glory. You wanted all the power that is divinely yours, not at the expense of others, but at the expense of seeing through the lies of here, there, now, then, have and have not because you truly sit on a throne right now, unbeknownst to you, and you deserve all that you can, and you getting it and finding your power, however daunting the task of understanding what you've been through, will help you blast forward and live like you have never lived before. Jambo, fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley here for a spiritual tune-up, and I have something really fun for you to do. It's an exercise, but it's like a game. You're going to do it, and you're going to be like on board. And it has to do with our so-called invisible limiting self-sabotaging 
beliefs and how to just annihilate them without even knowing or admitting what they are. I have been teaching for 20 years that our thoughts become things. And invariably, particularly in the old days, somebody would raise their hand and say, Mike, but what about our beliefs? Our beliefs are so important. Aren't our beliefs everything? Our beliefs are almighty because our thoughts become things. Our beliefs inspire us and encourage us to think along their lines, good, bad, or otherwise, or they shut us down. So our beliefs are almighty, but it's our thoughts that become the things and events of our lives that make it possible for you to live the life of your dreams and for you to change the circumstances of your life. And because of this interplay, you can begin working the equation on either angle. And now let me ask you, why would you go looking for an invisible, because they virtually all are. We think our beliefs are statements of fact. Life is X, I am Y, so-and-so is the other. But our beliefs are just opinions and they can change. Yet, because we don't see them as opinions, we get stuck with them. And they can really hold us back when they're not in alignment with truth and our dreams. But instead of looking for what's invisible, I've got a workaround that'll help you install awesome, empowering, glorious beliefs that will stimulate your wandering mind to assume that your dreams are inevitable and you will navigate in and around invisible limiting beliefs, if you even had them, to the point they no longer make sense in your life and they dissolve and go away and you never had to admit them. Sound good? It's easy and it's really fun. So three steps for installing empowering beliefs that will annihilate invisible limiting beliefs without you even knowing what those invisible limiting beliefs were. Number one, name the beliefs you would love to have in an area of your life that's challenging you or in an area of your life that you'd like to break through. And we all have both. So there's plenty of uh, room to apply this. Name the beliefs you would love to have. Are they your beliefs? Who knows? But it's totally different than name the belief that's holding you back, which is nearly impossible. So I have an example that I always share with audiences. Abundance, financial abundance. It works with health. It works for mitigating anxiety. It works for mitigating fear. It works for untangling cross wires when it comes to relationships. For abundance, however, what would be some rocking beliefs that you'd love to say are yours? Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. That you can name. Make that list as long as you can. I'm worthy. Do you really believe it? Who cares? That's not important for this exercise. I'm worthy. I'm deserving. I've paid my dues. I'm an unlimited being of light. I am a God particle. My thoughts become things. I'm pushed on to greatness every day. I'm inclined to succeed. Abundance is my default setting. Money comes easy to me. Money loves me. I love money. Money helps me help other people achieve their their goals and their dreams. It's helped me donate millions of dollars to charities. Money is pure spirit. Money is just paper. It grows on trees, like Neil Donald Walsh aptly noted. It's paper, right? Okay, make this list 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 points long. And you don't know 
if they're yours or not, but they probably, many of them are, okay? And then step two, after you name these beliefs, study that list. Study it morning, noon, and night. Study it before you fall asleep. Study it when you wake up. And as you look at each line item, I want you to see their validity. Their validity, of course you're worthy. You're worthy of life. You're worthy of all else you could want in life, okay? God hasn't judged you. You shouldn't judge you, yourself. Um, see the validity. Just get into it. It's like, of course, of course, of course. I'm here to thrive. I'm supposed to be happy. It's the ultimate end result. Now, you're going to do that over weeks and weeks of time here and there. Don't make it a difficult job. Paste it on your bathroom mirror. Put it on the refrigerator. Put it in your wallet, your purse, or your digital notepad. And then step three. Now, this is fun. Start acting like those beliefs are yours. Start acting like you're worthy. Start demonstrating. It's called acts of faith. Prepare for the imminent, inevitable arrival of your financial good fortune. Physically prepare. Triple underline physically. And come up with affirmations. That's a good thing I'm rich. Whenever somebody gives you a big bill, good thing I'm rich. Then you negotiate and then you get it down. Then you barter, okay? Um, affirmations are powerful. Demonstrations. Do a little splurging. Buy the expensive brand of, you know, oatmeal instead of the cheap brand. The expensive coffee. You don't have to go crazy. Do not spend money you do not have. But act the part. And you don't even have to spend money. Price out incredible vacation. Okay, on the internet. Fill up your online shopping cart. Don't check out yet. Save it. Have that account. Open an online brokerage account. It doesn't cost a penny. There's lots of demonstrations. Do one a day. And never stop doing them. And then as your life slowly morphs into place, the evidence of your existence, your new existence changing here, there, and everywhere will erase any so-called invisible limiting beliefs that you may have otherwise had. And you never had to say, oh, it's because I don't believe I'm worthy and my mom didn't think she was worthy and I must have gotten it from the family and now how do I... If I had looked for what was wrong with me and tried to unfigure out tried to figure out all of my limiting beliefs, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you. You don't have to know what your invisible limiting beliefs are to kick some bad guy booty. Jambo fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley. Today's spiritual tune-up is about selfishness. Being divinely selfish. Now, I know the connotations of that are just ick and yuck because of the way we have viewed selfishness heretofore. But what I want to do is give you a leg up on understanding that the reason God wanted to be you is so that you would be you, as you have heard me say before. Now, selfishness, as it was understood by old schoolers, typically means I want mine at the expense of someone else's. Old schoolers interpret reality with their physical senses alone. So if you get a few extra coconuts on the island, that means somebody has a few less coconuts on the island. Old schoolers see the world as finite and limited, and therefore anyone's gain is someone else's loss. And hence, if that were the case, selfishness would be disgusting and awful and the icky, icky poo. But we have the ability to see life with our spiritual lens, with an understanding that it's all illusory, 
that we are the creators of our own fortunes, destinies, and misfortunes. And when you truly understand selfishness, you really get <clears throat> in a heartbeat that if it meant you progress at the expense of others, and sometimes including loved ones, are you really getting ahead? Are you really doing yourself a service if your success comes at the neglect of your children, the neglect of your partner, and the neglect of other high priority issues, neighbors, social life? It would blow up in your face. That's not selfishness with a spiritual perspective. That's spiritual stupidity, excuse the harsh language. Thinking that you will gain at other people's expense is just a non-starter. But with spiritual lenses, you understand not only will your success embolden others, will your wealth and abundance improve the lot of others, but you would do so, and this is the triple underlined part, you would do so automatically considering the needs and desires, fears and otherwise of loved ones, of your immediate circle, of your not so immediate circle, of your neighbors, of your friends. You would never plow ahead at the expense of anybody. You would be so creative that you would figure out a way to balance your life so that you could follow your heart in such a way that your success, your breakthrough, your tipping point, your improved relationships, your improved health, your improved finances would help the world. We do not live in a limited world. We do not need to be living off of our physical senses alone. Follow your heart. Do what you most want to do. The world is your oyster. It's spinning in the palm of your hand. There is nothing that you might want to achieve that you shouldn't be pursuing in a balanced way. And that does not mean put the needs of others before your own. No, that was also a misinterpretation of scripture. I mean, maybe it's literal scripture today, but it was mistranslated in the past. Your needs count. Your heart counts. Your inclinations, your strengths count more than anything else. Consider the other stuff. Balance your time. Consider your children or aged parents you might be looking after. There may be a spell, a long spell in your life where you need to take care of business at home to create that foundation so that one day you can soar as you were destined and designed to do. You can have it all. And by you having it all, you'll help other people have it all. And think not that materiality is unspiritual. Everything is spiritual, as the universe once said. Material stuff, maybe even more so. Because you thought about it enough that you brought God into your life in the form of physical things. You brought it to bear. Everything is spiritual. Love your life. Follow your heart. Live balanced. And you will be astounded. Jambo, fellow adventurers, and happy Friday. In thinking about what I might share with you today, uh, it dawned on me that I have not really hit the nail on the head when it comes to my favorite three words, thoughts become things. I know I talked about it just the other day with the power of beliefs, and I've talked about it when I spoke on the absolute truths of being. This is one of them. But I haven't really done the deep dive 
in one of these four or five minute talks yet. So today is the day on a Friday, early April 2020. Okay, so it is the end all and be all of living the life of your dreams. There are no mitigating factors to the principle of our thoughts becoming things. Not destiny, not God deciding who gets what, when and where. That would violate your freedom, your power, your ability to learn. Uh, not, not karma, which is not an absolute law. That'll be a talking point one day. Not ancient spiritual contracts. Not how good you've been. Not how much you deserve. Thoughts become things is absolute, even if you don't believe it. I know this is abrasive, but you deserve to, the truth. Even if you don't believe your thoughts unfailingly become the things and events of your life, your thoughts unfailingly become the things and events of your life. Zero mitigation from any other realm. You are a divine being and no angels, no entities, no nothing can change this. Now, don't be scared. This is awesome news. Remember I talked earlier in a spiritual tune-up about our profound inclination to thrive. This is our default setting. One tiny positive thought will offset 10,000 negative thoughts because it's in alignment with truth. Forget the positive thing. A thought in alignment with truth, which is you are awesome, you are loved, you're here to thrive, you're an eternal being, there's only love, everything has order and meaning. Thoughts in along, along those alignments, boom, 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 boom. They become things and events super, super quick. But to think otherwise, to think, well, God has an agenda. God has her own time schedule. There goes your power. What if it wasn't God's time schedule, but you had limiting beliefs, crossed wires, conflict? Now you're not going to go and look for what that might be because you're thinking, well, that, you know, God has her own time schedule. The universe is running things her way, and I just vote with my thoughts. You rule with your thoughts. You rule the world. And when I say the world in the title here, of course, I'm talking about your world. We each rule our own world, however to the contrary that may seem. This is why the secret, the DVD and then the book became such uh, a colossal success around the world because people didn't realize that what they're thinking about I'm just it's just a thought. I'm just thinking about how people are so mean. I'm just thinking about how how money is so easy to manifest. It's just a thought. They didn't realize that what they think about, they bring about. What you focus upon multiplies. If you have it, you get more of it. If you don't have it, you draw it, draw it into your life. Our thoughts don't become things spontaneously, obviously. There's this soup, this continuity, this momentum of all other co-creations. Now, we are co-creators, but don't give your power away. When it comes to your life, your abundance, your health, your friends, your clarity, <clears throat> you are the sole creator. So understand that what you're thinking about, you're bringing about, and when you ask that question, like, well, what about those dreams of mine that have never seen the light of day? There's a super easy explanation. Other thoughts of yours got in the way. Thoughts become things, that's it. The thoughts that you have not yet manifested, it's because other thoughts of yours got in the way. <clears throat> now, the other exception, what about those things I never thought about that manifested and they were not so nice? Whenever the unexpected or the unthought of 
lands on your path, it is always, that's a, that's a mighty powerful word. I, I would rarely use the word always. Whenever the unthought of lands on your path, it is always a stepping stone to a further destination that you had been thinking about. And when you consider most people think a thought is the thought and they're dwelling upon life is hard and people are mean and God is angry, they're in for a bumpy ride. And stuff that fits into those parameters, God is angry, uh, people are mean, we're here to be tested, judged and sentenced, those are going to create lions and tigers and bears galore. Not that they thought of, but to get them to a reality reinforced by their beliefs that, you know, life is hard. When, I, when I'm in Orlando, like now, and I drive to Miami, okay, Miami's what I'm thinking about. I don't know who I'm going to see on the highway, where I'm going to stop for gas, who's going to flick me off or, or give me a peace sign along the way. But every moment of the journey that's unthought of to, till I get to the place I was thinking of, Miami, is necessary for that thought to become a thing. Me thinking of Miami. I might be in Lakeland. I'll be like, I never thought of this. But it's in alignment with all of my other thoughts combined with the destination of Miami to bring it to pass. So whether it's you know an unexpected wink in the supermarket, whether it is uh, an unexpected, you know, the, the list is endless and it can get really ugly. It's always part of a stepping stone to a place you had been thinking about, which doesn't mean any random wacky thing can happen. That is not the case. Everything that does happen that was unthought of would be in alignment with your thoughts, a.k.a. your beliefs. There's, there's emotions which are a reaction to our manifestations. So it's not emotions become things, it's thoughts become things. Thoughts with emotion come to pass faster. Uh, intention, expectation, talked about a lot. Those are targets, bullseyes, and results that we think about. Beliefs, as I said just, I think yesterday, the other day, um, are the parameters that shut us down or throw us forward. It, it all boils down to your thoughts. And this is the best news in the world. It's better than having a genie that you can ask for an infinite number of wishes from. It doesn't get better than you being able to change your life on the fly. It doesn't get better than having the power to literally move mountains. It doesn't get better than you having the gift of free will to change your mind, to focus on things you love instead of fear. It takes a little practice. Hey, you didn't sign up for easy. I love to tell you that. It doesn't get better than you being able to change your mind and focus on something that will stretch a smile across your face, make you of service, put you in the winner's circle in any way that you want to define winner. Well, there you have it, fellow adventurer. Thanks for listening to this most recent installment of Spiritual Tune-Ups. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a few seconds to rate it on the podcast service you're using right now. It makes a big difference in helping more people find us. And of course, if you want daily reminders of life's magic and your power, please sign up at tut.com for my free Notes from the Universe emails. Tally ho!